نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم اهدي قلبي وسدد لساني واسرل سخيمة قلبي اللهم Inshallah, we'll continue with the study of Kitab Taqseer salah shortening the prayer during travel. I received many questions about this bab, and inshallah, many of those questions are going to get resolved as we study the ahadith. And there are a few questions which inshallah I will address at the end of the chapter. Okay? So I have not ignored your question. Alright? Inshallah, it will be addressed within what we study, and if not, then at the end, inshallah. Okay? So let us continue with bab number five, which is bab yaqsuru ida kharaja min mawdi'ihi, that a person will yaqsuru, he will shorten his prayer, when ida kharaja, when he has gone out, min mawdi'ihi, from his residence, from his place. So the question is, that at what point can a person begin to shorten their prayers? So for example, if you intend to travel tomorrow, because it's March break, and you're like, okay, let's go somewhere. So for instance, if you intend to travel tomorrow, and let's say you intend to leave at 2 o'clock. Okay? You intend to leave at 2 o'clock. So when is it that you can start shortening your prayers? So you say, okay, I'm going to leave at 2, so before I leave, I will just shorten my zuhur salah, and then I will go? No. You cannot do that. When is it that you will start shortening the prayer? When you will leave your residence. And by residence, mawdir, it doesn't just mean your house. So you leave your house, and at the end of the street, your mom lives there. So you just stop at her house and pray. You shorten the prayer there? No, you can't do that. When you leave your residence. Residence as in the place where you live. And what does it mean by that? What it means is that you see, every city or population is such that there's a certain place or there's a certain point up to which you will see houses, all right, or buildings. And then what happens after that? Empty land, isn't it? Empty land. So once you have left the population or the area, the residential area or the populated area, then you can begin to shorten the prayers. So, يَقْصُرُ إِذَا خَرَجَ مِن مَوْضِعِهِ وَخَرَجَ عَلِيٌّ And Ali رضي الله عنه He went out once, meaning on a journey فَقَصَرَ Then he shortened the prayer Meaning when he started his journey When he began his journey So he had left his residence and his area Then he shortened the prayer وَهُوَ يَرَى الْبُيُوتَ And this was at a place He began shortening the prayer When he could still see the houses What does it mean by that? You see, in the desert, or where he lived at this particular occasion, as he's leaving, sometimes from a distance you can see the city, isn't it? Like for example, you're driving on a highway far from Toronto, all right? You're coming towards Toronto, but you will see the CN Tower, right? And you will see those twirly buildings in Mississauga, right? From a huge distance, from a very, very far off place. Right? So, just because you can see the buildings, doesn't mean that you have to pray your full salah. Okay? What matters is, have you left the residential area, or the populated area or not? 
So وَهُوَ يَرَى الْبُيُوتِ فَلَمَّا رَجَعَ When he returned قِيلَ لَهُ هَذِهِ الْكُوفَ When he was returning it was said to him that this is Kufa Meaning we can see the city So this is Kufa So that means we should perform the full prayer قَالَ لَا Ali رضي الله عنه said no حَتَّى نَدْخُلَهَا Until we enter it Meaning we are traveling until we enter the city We are traveling until we enter the city So this means that until we enter the city We can shorten the prayer You understand? And which means that once you leave the city Alright, if you're starting the journey Once you leave the city Then you can start shortening the prayer On your return Once you enter the city Then you begin to pray your full prayer Is it clear? Let's look at the hadith حدثنا أبو نعيم قال حدثنا سفيان عن محمد بن المنكدر وإبراهيم بن ميسرة عن أنس رضي الله عنه أنس رضي الله عنه reported قال he said صليت الظهر مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بالمدينة أربعا وبذ الحليفة ركعتين Anas who reported that Sallaytu Zuhra, I performed the Zuhr prayer. With who? Ma'an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. With the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Where? Bil Medina in Medina. Meaning in their hometown. Alright? They prayed Zuhr. How many rakah? Arba'an, four. Then what happened? After praying Zuhr, they began their journey. They began their journey. And then what happened? وَبِذِلْ Hulayfa, And when they reached ذِلْ Hulayfa, And this is at a distance of six miles from Medina. When they reached ذِلْ Hulayfa, رَكْعَتَيْنْ Two rak'ah. This doesn't mean they prayed Zuhur again. Of course, after Zuhur is with Salah. Asr. So what he means is that when we reached ذِلْ Hulayfa, we performed Asr. And for Asr, we performed two rak'ah. Alright? So what does this show? At home, he prayed full Salah. When he left the city... Then he shortened the salah. And if you think about it, Zul Hulayfa, just six miles. Isn't it? It's not very far at all. Just six miles. But because the journey had begun, they were on the road, this is why the Prophet ﷺ prayed to Raqqa. حدثنا عبد الله بن محمد قال حدثنا سفيان عن الزهري عن عروة عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت she said عائشة رضي الله عنها is reporting she said الصلاة أول ما فرضت ركعتين فأقرت صلاة السفر وأتمت صلاة الحضر قال الزهري فقلت لعروة ما بال عائشة تتم قال تأولت ما تأول عثمان Aisha anha reported that as-salatu, the prayer, awwalu at first, meaning at the beginning, ma furidat, when it was obligated, how much was it? How many units of prayer did people have to perform? Raka'atayn. Two raka'ah. So, at the beginning, salah was just two raka'ah, not four, alright? It was just two. For Zuhur Asr, Maghrib time also, just two. Then what happened when the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina? Then فَأُقِرَّتْ صَلَاةُ Safar. Then the salah for safar, for journey, for travel, meaning when you're traveling, then the prayer became how much? It was أُقِرَّتْ. It was kept at two. Alright? After the hijrah, what happened? 
Salatul Safar remained two. وَأُتِمَّتْ صَلَاتُ الْحَضَرِ Hadar is, what is Hadar? Opposite of Safar. Alright, you should be familiar with this term. Safar is when you're traveling and Hadar is when you're at home. Okay? So, أُتِمَّتْ صَلَاتُ الْحَضَرِ Meaning, the prayer at home was completed, completed to what we know now. Meaning, four. So, two became four. So, you understand what's happening? Initially, prayer was two, whether you're at home or you're traveling. After the hijrah, what happened? In travel, it remained two. But at home, it became four. Okay. Call a Zuhri you. Zuhri, he said that, فَقُلْتُ Urwata, I asked Urwa. Who is Urwa? Look at the chain of narrators. Look at the name of Aisha radhiallahu anha. Who is before Aisha? Who is it? Urwa. And who is before Urwa? Who is before Urwa? Look at the text. Az-Zuhri. Alright? So, who took this hadith from Aisha radhiallahu anha? Urwa. And who took the hadith from Urwa? Az-Zuhri. Alright? Now Urwa, he was the nephew of Aisha radhiallahu anha, Urwa bin Zubair. He was her nephew. And Az-Zuhri, as it is clear, was a student of Urwa. So Az-Zuhri said that I asked Urwa, مَا بَالُ عَائِشَةَ What is the reason, how come Aisha رضي الله عنها تُتِمُّ She would perform the complete prayer. What does he mean by that? How come Aisha رضي الله عنها would perform the complete prayer when she used to travel? He's asking her that if Aisha radhiallahu anha is the one who narrated this, then how come when she would travel, she would perform the full prayer? She would not shorten it. Why? Qala Urwa said, Ta'awwalat, she interpreted, Ma ta'awwala Uthman. The same that Uthman radhiallahu anhu interpreted. She was of the same opinion as Uthman radhiallahu anhu. What does this mean? You remember we learned in a hadith earlier that Uthman radiallahu anhu at the beginning of his caliphate, what did he do? He would shorten the prayer. But at the end of his caliphate, what happened? He performed the full prayer even when traveling. And this is something that the companions criticized, they were not pleased about. And we had a huge discussion about it. Right? So here we learned that Aisha radiallahu anha was of the same opinion as Uthman radiallahu anhu. Alright? Now what do we see here? The companions differed in their understanding. Alright? And if the companions differed, will people differ today? (laughs) Will they? Some people think that when there is difference of opinion, it's very wrong. It makes the religion weak or it just shows a very bad image and things like that. Or how could there be a difference of opinion? There should be only one right way. No. The companions even differed with each other. You know why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given each person their mind. Isn't it? And if a person like Aisha radiallahu anha, a person like Uthman radiallahu anhu, with the knowledge that they have, if they use their understanding to come to a conclusion with their best effort, then 
When it comes to ijtihad, this is ijtihad. That with all the knowledge that you have and you research the matter and you think about it, you reflect on it, you discuss it and then you come to a conclusion that is ijtihad. Alright? So when you come to it, a mujtahid is rewarded. A mujtahid is rewarded for what? For trying his best. What if the conclusion that he arrives at is not right? What if? Even still he is rewarded. Even still he is rewarded. Why? Because he tried his best. So we are no ones to criticize them. You understand? Because Aisha anha, she was not unaware of the matters of religion. She was very knowledgeable. Very knowledgeable. She would ask the Prophet ﷺ many questions. She spent years with him. From the time that she gained consciousness, right? She was in a family that practiced Islam. So from the very beginning, she was raised in Islam. Isn't it so? And then later on, in Medina, when she's the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, she's with him at home, she goes on journeys with him. Right? So her level of knowledge is really not ordinary. It's not. Even men would come to her seeking answers. Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu, he said that whenever we had a matter of disagreement, we found something confusing, we would go to Aisha radiallahu anha. We would ask her. And every time we went to her, we would find some knowledge with her. We benefited from her knowledge. So Aisha radiallahu anha, Uthman radiallahu anhu, they were of the opinion, or rather their practice was what? That even when they traveled, they would not shorten their prayers. Okay? Why? What is the reason? We learn in a narration that sheds light on this issue. And this is an authentic narration by Al-Bayhaqi, in which we learn that once Aisha radiallahu anha was traveling, and she performed four rakah. So somebody saw her doing that, performing the full prayer. So they asked her, that why, why don't you just pray too? Why not? I mean, the Prophet ﷺ did it. It's well known. Why not too? I mean, why are you performing the full prayer? So she said, إِنَّهُ لَا يَشُقُّ I don't find it hard to perform four rakah. I don't find it hard. That even when I'm traveling, I can easily perform the prayer in full. It's not difficult for me. So what does this show to us? That Aisha radiallahu anha was of the understanding that shortening the prayer is what? It is an option. It is a facilitation that is given by Allah. And people have the choice to take it or leave it. You understand? When something is permissible, it is permissible, then you have the choice to take it or to leave it. If you take it, are you blameworthy? No. If you leave it, are you blameworthy? No. So this was her understanding. Now remember, we discussed earlier that it is not mandatory, it is not mandatory to shorten the prayer when traveling. What is the status that is given to this act? Sunnah Mu'akkada. Alright? Or a preferred sunnah. Because every time the Prophet ﷺ traveled, whether it was a short journey or a long journey, whether it was an easy journey or a difficult journey, 
Alright? His way was that he would shorten the prayer. Correct? He would do that. But then we see that if there is a situation where you happen to be visiting somewhere, alright, and you pray behind an imam, a local imam, the imam is going to lead four rak'ah. So what are you going to do? Stop praying after two? No, you're not going to do that. What are you going to do? Not pray behind the imam because he's going to lead the prayer in full, so you're not going to pray with him. No, you're going to perform the prayer in full. Which means that if you perform the prayer in full while traveling, is that valid? Is that valid? It is valid. Right? So Aisha anha, Uthman radiallahu anhu, they were of the understanding that shortening the prayer is an option. Okay? It's optional. And what did they choose for themselves? What did they choose? The easy one or the difficult one? Which one? The difficult one. Why? Because Aisha has said, I don't find it hard. Right? She said, I don't find it hard. In our previous class, somebody shared a comment about this individual who was always traveling for the work. Always traveling. So if they're traveling all the time and they're shortening their prayer all the time, then what happens? You know, you kind of lose your habit. Isn't it? So for that reason, this particular individual, because their lifestyle is such that they're traveling all the time, they decided that they were going to perform the prayer in full. Now, are we going to criticize them for that? Are we going to? No. Are we going to think that they're doing something less than what is recommended? No, we're not going to pass any judgment on them. Because as we see, Aisha radiallahu anha, she saw this as a matter of choice. Right? It's up to you. You understand? Okay. Bab yusalli al-maghriba thalathan fi safar Yusalli, meaning a person will pray, al-maghrib, the maghrib prayer. How many units of prayer? Thalathan, three. When? Fi safar, while traveling. You cannot shorten the maghrib prayer. Okay? You can shorten Zuhr, you can shorten asr, you can shorten isha, but you cannot shorten the maghrib prayer. Okay? Why? It's only three, okay. But then how would you shorten it? One and a half? I mean, how do you perform one and a half? You understand? How, how would you do that? So since it's only three, alright, and the shortened prayer is two units only, it's just one more rakah, no harm. And this really proves that shortening the prayer is a facilitation, is ease that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to His servants. Right? Because reducing the four to two, yes, it is easy. But three to two doesn't make much of a difference. Right? So Yusallu al-Maghriba thalathan fi safar Hattathana Abu al-Yaman qala akhbarana shu'ayb an al-Zuhri qala akhbarani salimun an Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhuma qala ra'aytu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama idha a'jalahu al-sayru fi al-safari yu'akhiru al-Maghrib حَتَّى يَجْمَعَ بَيْنَهَا وَبَيْنَ الْعِشَاءِ قَالَ سَالِمْ وَكَانَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ يَفْعَلُهُ إِذَا أَعْجَلَهُ السَّيْرِ So here, Abdullah ibn Umar is reporting, and you see over here, عَنْهُمَا عَنْهُمَا Why is it عَنْهُمَا? Because it is the son and the father. Who's the son? Abdullah. Who's the father? Who's the father? Umar. Abdullah ibn Umar. Alright? So he reported 
فقال هي سيد رأيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم I saw the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that إذا أعجله السير when he was in a hurry on a journey you know, sometimes you're really pressed on time so you have to go fast alright so when he was in a situation like that he was in a hurry on a journey what would he do? يؤخر المغرب he would delay maghrib حَتَّى أَنْتِلْ يَجْمَعَ بَيْنَهَا وَبَيْنَ الْعِشَاءِ Until he would join it with the Isha'at prayer. Like for example, sometimes you're on the road, you're driving to another city, and it's Maghrib time. Right? The sun just set, it's Maghrib time. Alright? Now technically you're supposed to stop and pray. I mean, technically, if this wasn't in your hometown, what would you do? What would you do? Either go to the closest mosque or, you know, find some way of praying on time. Right? But the Prophet ﷺ, when he would be in a rush, because now it's, you know, the night has begun. Alright? And maybe he would want to go a little bit farther before the light completely disappears. Right? So, what would he do? He would not stop to pray Maghrib. Rather, he would continue the journey. And then when he would stop, he would join Maghrib and Isha together. So what happened? Qala Salim, Salim the narrator, he added, that وَكَانَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ meaning Abdullah bin Umar, يَفْعَلُهُ He would do the same إِذَا أَعْجَلَهُ sayr When he would be in a rush in his journey. Abdullah bin Umar would do the same thing when he would be in a rush. Alright? So what does this show to us? What does this hadith prove? That we can defer Maghrib until the time of Isha. Right? We can join the prayers. Okay. The hadith continues. Wazada Layth has added that Qala haddathani Yunus that he said that Yunus narrated to me and Ibn Shihabin from Ibn Shihab that Qala Salim that Salim said Kana ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma. Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, it was his habit that يَجْمَعُ بَيْنَ الْمَغْرِبِ وَالْعِشَاءِ بِالْمُزْدَلِفَ He would join Maghrib and Isha at Muzdalifa. قَالَ سَالِمٌ Salim said وَأَخْرَ ibn عُمَرَ الْمَغْرِبِ Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu delayed Maghrib. So at a certain occasion, he delayed Maghrib. And what was the reason? How was he in a rush? The reason was that وَكَانَ اسْتُصْرِخَ عَلَمْ رَأَتِهِ وَكَانَ The situation was such that اُسْتُصْرِخَ عَلَمْ رَأَتِهِ Who is Imra'a? Wife. Alright? And اُسْتُصْرِخَ From صَادْرَخَ صَرْخ Are you familiar with the word صَرْخ? صَرِيخ مُصْرِخِكُمْ مُصْرِخ hmm? or It's basically صَرَخَ is to scream. Okay? To shout. What does it mean? To shout. So, ustasrikha, what does that mean? That he was shouted at. Meaning he was called. He was called because of an emergency. Why was he called? Because of some emergency. What was that emergency? It was because of his wife. The wife of Ibn Umar. Alright? Who was his wife? Safiyata binti Abi Ubaid. This is her name. Safiya bint Abi Ubaid. So he was in a rush because there was an emergency situation and he was called to see his wife. 
And what was this emergency situation? She was close to dying. She was very unwell and it was a time where she was very close to her death. So what happened? He was in a rush now and it was time for Maghrib. He's traveling. فَقُلْتُ لَهُ Salim, he's saying that I said to Ibn Umar, As-salah, it's time to pray. Fakala, but he said, Sir, continue to travel. We're not going to stop, let's keep going because we might miss her. Fakultu salah, again, Salim said, As-salah, it's time to pray. Fakala, Sir, he said, no, keep traveling. Hatta sara milayn, aw thalathatan, until when he had crossed two miles or three, ثُمَّ نَزَلَ Then he stopped. فَصَلَّى Then he prayed. Meaning after some time, he stopped and prayed. ثُمَّ قَالَ And then he said, هَكَذَا رَأَيْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يُصَلِّي This is how I saw the Prophet صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ praying. إِذَا أَعْجَلَهُ السَّيْرِ When he would be in a rush in the journey. وَقَالَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ And Abdullah said, رَأَيْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ I saw the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم إِذَا أَعْجَلَهُ السَّيْرِ When he would be in a rush to complete the journey, يُؤَخِّرُ الْمَغْرِبِ He would defer Maghrib. فَيُصَلِّيهَا ثَلَاثًا ثُمَّ يُسَلِّمُ Just underline this, ثَلَاثًا He would perform the Maghrib prayer, how many rak'ah? Three. ثُمَّ يُسَلِّمُ Then he would say the salam. ثُمَّ قَلَّمَا يَلْبَثُ حَتَّى يُقِيمَ الْعِشَاءِ Then, after a short time, قَلَّمَا Meaning after a short time, يَلْبَثُ That he would remain, حَتَّى يُقِيمَ الْعِشَاءِ That he would also perform his Isha prayer. So he would stop, perform Maghrib 3 rakah, then after a little while, he would perform Isha. فَيُصَلِّيَهَا رَكَعَتَيْنِ And he would perform the Isha as ثُمَّ يُسَلِّمُ Then he would say the salam. وَلَا يُسَبِّحُ بَعْدَ الْعِشَاءِ And he would not perform after Isha any prayer. يُسَبِّحُ Over here, يُسَبِّحُ means salah. Okay? Not just to say subhanallah, subhanallah. Tasbih. Remember, the term tasbih is used for salah also. Especially in hadith literature, you will see this. That the Sahaba or the Tabi'un, when they refer to Salah, many times they would not say, Yusalli, they would say, Yusabbihu. And especially when it is voluntary prayer. So here, Yusabbihu, meaning after Isha, he would not perform any prayer, Hatta yaquma min jawfil layl, until he would get up in the middle of the night. And this would be which voluntary prayer? The Hajjah, the night prayer. Now, what do we see in this long hadith? Imam Bukhari is mentioning this hadith over here to prove what's the bab? Yusallil Maghriba Salathan Fis Safar. So how does this hadith prove that? How does this hadith prove that? I asked you to underline something. What are the words? Fayusalli Salathan. He would perform three rakah for Maghrib. And there is many other benefits that we can learn from this hadith. Like for example, what other lessons can we derive from this hadith? That we can join Maghrib and Isha. Alright. What other prayers can we join? Zuhur and Asr. Can we join Fajr and Zuhur? Can we join Isha and Fajr? No. 
Fajr is at its time. Correct? Fajr is at its time. You don't join Fajr with any other prayer. Okay? But Zuhr and Asr you can join from when to when? From the time that Zuhr begins until the time of Asr ends. Alright? What about Maghrib and Isha? Same thing. You can join them from the time that Maghrib begins until the time that Isha ends. Alright? And this further proves the reason behind shortening the prayer or joining the prayer. And what is that reason? What is that? Ease. Ease and convenience. Right? Because if you have to stop every hour or two to perform the prayer, then what would happen? What would happen? A four hour drive would become six hours or seven hours. Isn't it? Okay. Anything else we learn from this hadith? Can we join Asr and Maghrib? No. Zuhr and Asr, you can join. Maghrib and Isha, you can join. Okay? Asr, Maghrib, you cannot join. And Fajr, you cannot join with the prayer before it or after it. Yes. Yes, very, very important point, which is that you see Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhu, who is he? Companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Right? Yes, he's a companion. He's very knowledgeable. He's very righteous. He's a human being. Which is why his companion, who's younger than him, right? Lesser than him in knowledge and status. What does he do? It's time to pray. He reminds Abdullah bin Umar, as-salah. Abdullah bin Umar says, no, sir. He says, as-salah. He says, sir. He says, as-salah. Because yes, he has respect for Abdullah bin Umar. And yes, he knows Abdullah bin Umar is knowledgeable. But he is doing his part. Alright? Now what happens? He complies because Abdullah bin Umar is telling him again and again that no, we're not going to stop for prayer. We're going to keep going. What happens then? When they stop and they pray, Abdullah bin Umar anhu does not leave him in confusion. He does not leave him in darkness. He explains to him why he did what he did. And he explained to him using the example of the Prophet ﷺ. He said, I saw the Prophet ﷺ doing this, and this is the reason why I am also doing this. This is so important. You see, sometimes what happens is that from the way of Salim, first of all, that sometimes we are with certain people and you know, they're wearing a hijab that's much bigger than ours and, you know, maybe they are, their Arabic is much stronger than ours or we know that they are highly educated, you know, or whatever and we feel intimidated by them, right? Or maybe in their status they are higher than us for whatever reason but we feel intimidated. But what do we see here? Amr bil ma'roof The importance of commanding what is right no matter who it is. Right? Of course you do it respectfully. But it is your obligation. وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالصَّبْرِ Right? And then we see that Abdullah bin Umar is disagreeing with him, but still Salim says, As-salah. Abdullah bin Umar says, no, continue. And he says, no, As-salah, As-salah, again and again. But he does it respectfully. Right? So when you see that, people older than you, or people who are greater than you, or higher than you, in, in whatever way, if they're doing something that you know is wrong, then 
don't just let it go by. Speak up respectfully. Because when you will speak up, what will happen? Either if they're wrong, they'll be corrected. And if you are limited in your understanding, you will learn something new. You understand? You will learn something new. So Salim thought that Ibn Umar was doing something wrong by delaying the salah. He didn't stay quiet about it. He spoke about it. What happened? Salim learned something new. What do we typically do? We don't say anything at that time. But then later on we tell other people, you know what? I don't think these people are good people. Right? I don't think this sheikh is really a sheikh. I don't think this person is really a teacher. Because this is what she was doing. This is what he was doing. This is what they were doing. Right? If we have a disagreement, let's ask about it. If they're making a mistake, they'll benefit from the reminder. And if we are limited in our understanding, we will learn something new. Another important lesson that how Abdullah bin Umar is concerned about his wife. Right? Who is, according to some narrations, it is said that ustusrikha, what it means is that she was dying or that she had died. In either case, she was close to her death or she had just passed away, but he wanted to go quickly. Right? So, what do we see here? His concern for his wife. And for that, he is delaying the prayer. This does not mean he's leaving the prayer. He is doing what is permissible. He's within permissible bounds. But of course, what is better to pray? When? On time. That is excellent. Correct? But if you're not able to do so because you have to take care of someone, somebody's unwell, they need help, or you need to be there for them, then in that situation, there's no harm in praying a little later as long as it's within the range. Right? Being concerned for others. And sometimes what happens? We have to, you know, perform our entire salah, everything, while a person is waiting for a glass of water so that they can take their Tylenol. But we have to pray there and make them wait 20 minutes. Right? It's not a big deal if it's delayed 5 minutes because you went and got water for them. Okay? Yes. Okay. Inshallah we'll discuss that, that when can we join? Just when we're on the road or can we also join the prayers when we have reached our destination and we're staying there for a few days? Inshallah we'll discuss that. Yes. Hmm. Exactly. Another important thing, don't leave salah even in a state of emergency. Yes, he delayed it from its ideal time, but he prayed it on time, within the permissible range. Even though this is such a big emergency, his wife is dying or has already died. In this emergency, he remembers the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and he performs a prayer. But what happens with us? We delay our prayer, you know, meaning we don't pray it within the proper range, we delay it from that completely or we leave the salah completely because of what? I have to drop this one and I have to pick that one up and I have to go here and I have to finish all my shopping and petty reasons. Weddings. Yes. Yes, I mean, this is joining the prayer while traveling, right? And yes, when a person is in hadar, remember hadar now? What is hadar? At home, stay, meaning in your 
local city. So at Hadar also, in a situation of some pressing need, you are allowed to join the prayer. But it should not become a habit. Okay? In a state of a pressing need. Like for example, you know, in the winter, what happens? One prayer after the other. Alright? And you have an exam. Let's say you have one exam after the other. It's possible. Right? And you have literally five minutes or ten minutes or something like that in the middle. And you have just enough time to get from one room to the other. Right? And you need that time. An exception is not being made for you because sometimes it's like a three hour long exam and you know you can be done in an hour and a half. Right? But sometimes it's an hour long exam and you know that even an hour is not going to be enough. Right? So in this situation, exceptional situation, pressing need, are you allowed to join your prayers? Yes, you are. But it should not become a habit. It should not become a habit that every day, every day you're joining the prayer. No. No matter how difficult of a situation it is, you should try your level best to perform the prayer at its right time. No, no, you don't switch the order. You maintain the order. So for example, if you are joining Zuhr and Asr, okay, you will pray Zuhr first, then Asr. If you're joining Maghrib and Isha, you will pray Maghrib first, then Isha. Whether you are praying at the time of Maghrib or you're praying at the time of Isha. Alright? You have to maintain the order. Yes. So for joining Asr, Yes, you can. So inshallah we'll discuss this again. Inshallah this will come. It is known as Jamr At-Taqdeem wa Ta'khir. Alright, taqdeem as in to join the prayers at their earliest time. So you're joining Zuhr and Asr at the time of Zuhr. Alright, and ta'khir meaning you delay it as in you're praying Maghrib and Isha at the time of Isha. Or Zuhr and Asr at the time of Asr. Okay, inshallah many of your questions will get resolved. Any comment about this hadith before we continue? Yes. Allah has given because often time people leave salah yes. because they don't know what to do and they can do it yes so it's so important to learn about how the sahaba also lived because they benefited from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's way i mean in this situation of emergency abdullah bin umar is able to join delay his prayers why because of the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and if he didn't know about it like many times we don't know about these things, what do we do? We completely leave the prayer out. Yes. My question is about Hadith 196 about Aisha mm-hmm. that this word, ta'awwala, ta'awwalat, is mm-hmm. it from ta'wil? Yes. Okay. It shows the Prophet ﷺ, he did not pray in nafal. So that means when you shorten in the salah, you can leave the nafal too. Very good. Another important lesson we learned from this hadith, that when the Prophet ﷺ performed Isha, he did not pray anything until tahajjud. After the three rak'ah of Maghrib, he did not perform the two rak'ah of Sunnah. Right? And after performing the two rak'ah of Isha, he did not perform any nafil after that. He just performed the fard. That's it. And again, inshallah, we're going to learn about this. What time does Isha ends? What time does Isha end? And also Asr? Isha ends at midnight. By midnight, I don't mean the midnight that we know about. 
which is 12. No. Okay. Midnight as in nisful layl. When half of the night has passed. What is half of the night? From the time that the sun sets until the time that the sun rises. This is the whole night. Alright? What is alay? From the time that the sun sets until the time that the sun rises. So the halfway point is what? Nisful layl. Half of the night. Until that time you can pray Isha. After that time, what begins? The time for tahajjud or qiyamul layl. Until when? Until the time of fajr. And fajr you pray until when? Sunrise. Clear? Yes. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. The question is that what if you are, let's say you're traveling, you're on your way back from, let's say, Montreal. And uh, it's night time. Right? You prayed Zuhur Asr. And now it's uh, Maghrib. Actually, you do stop for Maghrib. Okay? You stop for Maghrib and you're like, okay, might as well pray Isha. Because you can join. But you do plan to continue driving home and you know that you'll be home in a couple of hours. You might be able to catch the time of Isha at home. It's fine. It's fine. Okay? But if, let's say, you decide not to stop for Maghrib. Alright? And you want to drive straight home. You drive straight home. When you get home, you will pray Maghrib. And you will pray Isha. But how much? Full. Alright? You will not shorten Isha at home. You understand? Okay, let's continue. Ibn Abbas anhu, he was asked why a traveler should pray two rakah when he is alone and four rakah when he prays behind a resident. You understand? That why is it that if you're praying alone, you pray two, but if you're praying behind an imam, a local imam, then you have to pray four. And Ibn Abbas said, that is the sunnah. That is the sunnah. Okay?